so you can be prepared for your tomorrow. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. If you trust in me with all your heart and leading that your own understanding, I will guide you. I need you to trust me when you're comfortable or confident. Trust me when you're scared. Trust me when you know and when you don't know. From Etham, God led them to a weird name place called Pihiroth. In Pihiroth, this is significant because this is the place of uncertainty. God brings you here because this, in, in this place, God's going to show you that your, your going out was, is bigger than you think it was. It's not even about you. He's going to show you in Pihiroth that, it, that um, I brought you out because what I have for you to do, watch this now, is to, to give of the investment I put in you while you were in your hard place. You're going to be showing people how to come out the way you came out. You're going to be telling people what I did for you. Pihiroth is, is a circle place. He, he takes you in circles, but now he's, he's, he's building you up. God led them that way, watch this now, to get them to the Red Sea. Do you, not, do you think that God didn't know there was a sea there? Take note of this. Whenever God is leading you out of something, he always leads you through a sea. A sea of misunderstanding. A sea of debt. A sea of shame. A sea of guilt. A sea of fear. He he puts something in front of you that it would take a miracle to get you through. But he establishes, there's no one that can close a door behind you like God. How many of you, be honest, how many of you ever left a place and when you left, it seemed like the folk back there just hated you? Put your hand up. Can I tell you why? Because God knew that if the people, that, if the place that you were leaving or the people you were leaving to go forward, if that part of your goings out, he knew that if they were embracing, whenever you face the sea, you run back to them and they will embrace you. So what he does is the moment that you leave, the, the, he allows the enemy to turn their hearts against you. Why? So you can't go back. Why? So you can't go back. They may still talk to you, but they have, they have no place for you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to go back. It's scary going forward. The future is a scary place. But what God has for you is not in your past. It's in your, it's in your future. You got it? So I want to I talk about this and get you out of here. I'm going to give you four. I'm going to name four, but I only could teach, teach him one today. So um, um, Francis Chan said, number one, I have to surrender to God. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. In the next verse, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Satan, get out of my way. Your danger is trapped in me. And he said, here's the danger of, of what you're doing. He said, you're only seeing things from a human perspective or human point of view and not from God's. Be careful of counselors who only talk to you about human things. Be careful, beware of counselors that don't speak to the spiritual part of your transition. Watch this now. Next verse. He says, um, verse 24. Next verse. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to follow me, you want to be my follower? He says, here's the thing. He says, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And what it means is this. You can't be concerned about you. It, can, it has to be about the kingdom. You have to ask yourself, is, am, I, am I 
benefiting the kingdom or am I hurting the kingdom by staying? And sometimes transition is not about, about us, us, our leaving. It's about staying in place. Sometimes, sometimes you say, well, the kingdom will be hurt if, if I leave. Or the kingdom will be hurt if I stay. What about this? What, is, what are they going to do if I leave? When you start seeing yourself as the answer, it may be God telling you the jig is up here. You got it? Now, you have to be ready for this. And I got to say this and we move on. Whenever God tells you it's time for you to transition, you always have to have someone that replaces you. And this is what messes a lot of preachers and, and people up. And most times, the person that, that God will send in will have an equal skill set or will be better than you. Elijah had Elisha. And Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. So I just don't want them to forget me. There's <laughs> a funny thing about forgetting you. They are going to forget you. Say that loud. They are going to forget me. Say that loud. Have you ever walked into a place or job or whatever and, uh, and they call, um, the, someone called you by someone else's name? Isn't it an awkward feeling? Because it's designed. You see, the problem with us is we don't want to be forgotten. But you understand that we're in, the, we're, in the, we're in what? The 21st century and nobody from the 19th century is alive. And there's some people in the 19th century that did some amazing things. 20th century too. They just did. And you can walk in the graveyard and look up to look at a tombstone. It tells you the start date, the ending date, and a little statement on the end of it. And you have no idea what change the person in that ground affected. Because you know why? Because in the earth, things are forgotten. That's why you can't live for people in the earth. You can't just be something for them. You have to live for God. He, he will never forget. But people are going, by design, they're going to forget you. So Francis Chan said, the first thing I have to do, I have to surrender to God. Put the kingdom first and surrender. Number two, I have to seek the wisdom of God. In seeking the wisdom of God, I think you should ask God, God, give me options. And then show me the right one for me. The third thing he said is, is to submit to the leading of the spirit. He said, Pastor, I don't know how. Well, the way, let me show you something. I, I, put, I try to teach this on Friday night. Put Romans chapter 8, verse 5. I want to show you something about submitting to the spirit. How, how many of you would like to hear this little piece about submitting to the spirit? How many of you have a problem sometimes submitting to the spirit because you don't even know when the spirit is talking sometimes? Okay, I'm going to show you a quick way to know. Here's what it says. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now, give me, new, uh, give me King James real quickly. King James. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. Here's what it says. You can easily shift your, your leading or your, your state from flesh to spirit by what you think about. You can ask a simple question. How, how, can, how, can, how can I please the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine somebody go off on you, somebody, somebody say something crazy to you, instead of just thinking in the flesh, uh, letting your mind go to getting, what, what can I say back to them, or what can I do? You, are, you shift over and you say, how can I please the Holy Spirit? 
in this. How can, I, how can God be proud of me in this situation? Immediately, watch this now, when you shift like that and you can't let your mind stay on thinking, how can I, how can I follow the Holy Spirit? How can I be led of the Holy Spirit? He, he will instinctively begin to lead you. It may not feel good, but it'll be the right leading. I want to say this to you. When the Holy Spirit leads us most of the time, initially, it does not feel good. It feels like weakness. It feels like we're letting people take advantage of us. It feels like I'm doing the wrong thing. But if I, if I allow the Lord to lead me in his way, everybody say his way. In his way, it always comes out the right way. It does. So now I want to move on and, and cover these. I want to do this as quickly as I can. I, want, I just want to cover one thing today as it relates to the new bit of information because most of this was, was a new kind of review, I guess. You have four enemies of, of, of productive transition. Some people say, well, Pastor, you know what? I, don't, I didn't like school. I don't like to learn in church. Let's talk about that. I ain't come to church to learn. What do you come to church to do? Shout. Most of the people who dance in church all the time are wide but not deep. And what they're shouting on is pain and the promise that something can change. And most time it doesn't because they don't know enough when the opportunity presents itself. My heart for the people I pastor and the people I minister to is that you have more than just an idea of who God is. You have to know. I want you to be able to give counsel to pastors in humility. I want you to know what I know. There are four enemies to transition, to productive transition. Number one is insecurity. Number two is fear. Number three is selfishness. And number four is dishonor. Number one is insecurity. Number two is fear. Number three is selfishness. And number four is dishonor. Four enemies. An enemy is anyone that will seek to bring harm to you. Anyone or anything that will seek to bring harm to you or, or to do you damage. You got it? Now, I want to, today we're going we're gonna, to... Discuss this insecurity thing. I want you to take a listen to this, and then I want you to take it with you. Insecurity is an uncertainty or an anxiety about who you are. It's a lack of confidence about who God made you to be. This uncertainty can cause you to panic and doubt when you have to handle change or face change, especially when God says, watch this now, I need to move you. Or number two, I need you to stay put. Or number three, I want to change your circle. Three things that mess you up when it comes to this transition. Because the insecure don't see themselves the way God sees them. They see themselves in relation to what they're facing or what they're up against. Now, I'm going to help you out, and I want you to, it's going to be real personal. I love my father, and um, he's probably watching, but I'm going to say this, and this is true. Um, and and I, don't, I, I don't like to share, this, share things like this because some people will tell you, uh, the Lord told me to tell you, not, don't do that. Okay, and I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you this this warning. Now I can I can say this. They're my parents. You can't talk about my parents. I talk about my parents. My kids can't talk about my parents. I get mad. You, it's my parents. But when I was a little boy, my father saw me uh, having great potential, and so he felt like he felt I wasn't aggressive enough. My, my personality was very soft, and he, he, he tried to make me harder. So what he would do is he would never compliment me. He, always, he didn't care where we were. He would always go off on me. What he didn't realize was he was intimidating me. 
And I, what would begin to happen is the way he would treat me, when anyone else mimicked his approach, I would cower down. And I remember even after I got saved, um, my pastor saw something in me. He said, you're called to preach. And in my trial sermon, when I got in the pulpit, it wasn't about the lesson. I knew what I was supposed to teach, but the people were looking at me. And the, when I got finished, I did okay, but the pastor's like, what happened? And I said, people are looking at me. He says, they're supposed to. How are you going to preach and people ain't going to look at you? You want them to look down, look away? He said, look. And so here was my dilemma. In order for, to fulfill what God called me to do, I had to even give in to this thing, being insecure about people looking at me, or ask God to transcend it. Transcend means to climb over it, to go above it. to do. To, so they start giving me ideas. Talking about when you're up here, just imagine people in their underwear. That was weird to me. I'm not going to imagine you in your underwear. That's crazy. You ever heard that before? It doesn't work. So I started, I started wrestling with this. Every time I would get up to preach, I'd be afraid. And I, I learned to compartmentalize it, but it always came out in some way. When I felt intimidated, I would, I would act differently from my real anointed self. Until one day, I was listening to a minister preach, and he asked a question that totally unlocked for me my insecurity. Here's what he asked. Who taught you how to be afraid? Because children are not naturally born with fears. The one fear that most children have is they're afraid of loud noises. But children aren't afraid. You throw a baby in the water, he can try to swim. Children aren't afraid. So who taught? Fear is a, it's learned. Now you say, well, I said, wait a minute, I thought you were talking about insecurity. Insecurity is, is a fear that is birthed in me because I don't know who I am. It's, I'm not afraid of things out there. It's just I, I'm not sure who I am. That's so what I find myself doing, watch this now, is morphing into whatever I think you need me to be. I, I start putting myself on discount, on the bargain rack, compromising, giving you parts of me that you are not qualified for because I, I'm afraid that you reject me. When God gets ready to transition you, open doors for you, bring you out of your lack, do the things that we're talking about here, when he gets ready to do it, the first thing the enemy comes at is, who do you think you are? And many of us stay in bad situations and won't allow the Lord to, to govern our goings out because we're so afraid of how we see ourselves. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story featuring the lead single It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. 
prayer at first was a struggle because you know it, it really takes faith to pray you have to you have to trust that God is like a person he's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer in this book you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want it's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about him yes. pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. It's true. Let me tell you something about regrets. The older I get, the more I look back, and the things I regret the most are the times when I had, a, I had an opportunity to become uncomfortable to do great things, and I chose comfort instead. But nine times out of ten, I chose comfort, not because I was afraid of what's out there, because when the door opened and they said, we, we didn't need you to do this and such, I looked at myself and said, I can't do that. Amen. It's true. You know, in 2014, I was given a major deal. Uh, Carla Winfrey, who's Oprah Winfrey's cousin, um, they called me. They said, hey, your name came up. We want you to host a TV show. And it was cool, and I went there, and... and um, I mean, I went in, they had a whole thing on me that they studied me. And I was like, man, they, they, they said, you're the guy. We want you for your musical ability. We want you for your, your, your ability to speak and connect with people. And so I, I came in the first day. We, we had a training period where they come in and teach me how to host the show. And I come in and I was good. I was doing good initially. And then Carla says, oh, she said, cut. She says, okay, Pastor, I need you to do this. And immediately when she started to direct me on how to do what I was supposed to do, it made me feel uncomfortable. And so I became very insecure. And the more we went, the further, um, okay, now we need you to sit like this, and, and after you're going to say this, then you're going to sit here. And, and all of a sudden, there were five people in the production crew. And I, I was looking at every one of them. I felt naked in front of these people. And, and I said, what is going on? Here's what the Lord said. This is what the Lord said. He says, I remember telling the Lord, if you give me the right people, I could do this. And God says, not the people, it's you. Here's what he said. You have not yet dealt with what you're coming out of. Because remember 2013 was a year of devastation. And God said, it's not, you ready for this? He says, not the people. He said, you know what troubles you the most? He says, the camera. When you look into the camera, he says, you think it can see into your soul. He said, when, when you look at the camera, that's when you become the most uncomfortable because he said, that's your problem right there. It's not them. And no matter who they put around you, it's going to fail. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I would like to stand here and tell you that I overcame it. No. You know what I did? I went to them and told them, I cannot do this. I'm not ready. So the night that Matthew Stevenson came, in his prophecy, he said to me, you tried some media things before and they didn't work, but now is the time for them. You know what's crazy? When he said that, I didn't hear it. Someone told me he said that. I had to go back to the tape to listen to it because when he mentioned media, my mind went. That tells me the insecurity is still there. You are in a place right now where you're ready to be a wife. But you have not dealt with your insecurity. God is ready to do what he promised. But you still judge yourself as the person 
that can mess anything up. As long as your identity comes from anything horizontal, what I have, what I did, where I am, if your identity comes from anything, my friends, who my friends are, who I'm connected to, where I work, or what I drive, where I live, if your identity comes from anything horizontal, you will be insecure. You have to elevate your, your identity. It has to be vertical. It has to, be come, it has to come from heaven into your heart. God has to be the constant person telling you who you are, else you'll never measure up to anywhere you need to listen to what I'm telling you. So I want to show you this real quickly. So this is, this is good. I want to end here. I got to, I got to end here. Isn't it frustrating when you got to end before you want to? Go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. I want to show you something. I, I, I'm Numbers 13, verse 33. So the children of Israel leave. Greg, I need you real quickly. The children of Israel, they leave Egypt. And they've never really been in a battle before. God did something that was tremendous. Here's what God did. He set himself... To show them that he could fight. He never taught them how to fight. The Bible says that he led them away from the Philistines because he did not want them to see battle. You know why? Because they weren't ready. Everybody say they weren't ready. Everybody say, I'm not ready. Now you say, I, I fight my way. No, you can't find something. You don't have to fight your way through. So God would take them to the wilderness and he would show them he could, he could provide, he could protect. He showed them everything he could do. They went 11. When they got to the promised land, the crazy thing, when they got to the promised land, um, what we know is the Bible says that, that God told them to send spies. I want, I want to correct that. If you read the story in Deuteronomy, God did not tell them to send spies. They went to God and asked God, can we send people to spy the land? God didn't need to spy the land. God knew what was there. They were the ones that didn't know. And I'm going to share something with you. God, God told them it's a land flowing with milk and he never told them there were giants there. Why? Because it wouldn't have made a difference. They couldn't beat the giants. There are things in your future that God won't tell you about. You're going to freak out when you see them. Why didn't God tell me about this? Because it wasn't your responsibility. Why would God tell you what's it? The giants were God's responsibility. The milk and honey is yours. If God showed you, he'll fight for you. And he still wants to fight for you. Look at this. I want you to look at this. Look at it clearly. And Timmy, can you see the insecurity? God promised them. Now, let me share something with you. God made you specifically for a purpose. In your insecurity, you've made yourself into all these things. But God only anoints the real you. God only calls the real you. God only embraces the real you. And when you're going out of a situation, he tries his best to strip off every fabrication that you've come up with. Every new identity you try to replace the one, he, he tries to strip it away. And that's what's happening with you. He's, God is looking for the real you. Say, but my, don't, it won't nobody like the real me. And God is like, give me a chance to work on that person. Stop hiding them behind all this stuff. You walk in the door with a tag that says 70% off. And God is like, no. And here's what he says about you. Look at this scripture. The spies come back from the promised land. They said, they said it's just the way God said it. They said, we saw grapes so big, we, we couldn't carry them ourselves. He said, everything over the, in the promised land was oversized. He said, we've never seen anything like it. And he says, but the sons of Anak are there. 
the giants in the land, they're tall. He said they're big, they're huge. And that's what it says. He says, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. There are three problems in that one verse. And if we could take them apart and put them back together again, you have your answer. Let me, let me test you now. I've been talking to you. Now you talk to me. What's the first problem you see up there? Come on, out loud. Talk back to me, huh? What's the first phrase that bothers you? Well, I mean, you don't see the giants if they're there. The first, not, not the fair, like, what's the first phrase that bothers you? So, say that loud. Next to them. Say that out loud. Why are you next to them? If God speaks to you, if you need a job, you need money, and it comes on your heart to put an application or a resume into a place, what does it matter that you're not the most qualified? You're scrolling through Instagram to see how, how women look to know how to make yourself look to get a man. You're crazy. How do you not know that the person that's going to fall in love with you will love your flavor, your original flavor? Somebody is looking for somebody just like you. Pastor, you don't know how to mess myself up. How you know that God didn't have someone too that messed themselves up and need someone to understand what it is to mess yourself up? Next to them. God didn't call them to be next to them. God says, they're my responsibility. Stop comparing yourself with people. Stop disqualifying yourself before you even try to go in. I was never good at school and, and I messed up. I barely graduated. You didn't know the Lord then. You weren't saved then. You didn't have the Holy Ghost. You can't have the Holy Ghost and be dumb. You better talk back to me. How you got the most intelligent spirit ever and you, no, you know, no, God, if, if the Holy Spirit that you have can only make you shout in church, but not pass the test, it ain't a real Holy Ghost. Here's something I want you to know. You said, well, the next thing, you know, compared to them, let me tell you something. If you apply for a job and you are the most qualified, getting the job is not favor. But if you put in for the job, and your resume is weak, and you don't have experience, and your, your, your file is on the desk with all these other qualified people, and some kind of way, the, the, the employer's eyes falls on your uh, paper, he picks it up and decides he's going to hire you, that, my friend, is called favor. It's favor when God does it. If you deserve it, it wasn't favor. Next to them. The second problem I have, because you take a minute to figure it out, so let me help you. The next problem I have is that we felt like grasshoppers. How you feel have, has nothing to do with what God is doing. You feel the way you feel because you think the way you think. If God changes the way you think, it's going to change the way you feel. The reason you feel like a grasshopper is because you think like a grasshopper. But if you could change the way you think, you will feel differently. Have you ever come to church feeling defeated and heard a word that made you want to bite the back out of the chair in front of you? You came in feeling like a grasshopper and you, you left out feeling like you could conquer the world? One word from God can change the way you see yourself, change the way you feel, change the way you think. 
And you say, Pastor, but I won't, I won't be like that all the time. How many of you know you don't need to be like that all the time? Sometimes all you need is just one surge of confidence. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And this is the part that blows me away. And that's what they thought too. Do you know how many people that God has called to help you that you have judged the way they see you? She don't like me. Dummy, that's your connection. The whole narrative in your head about en- she, that's en- she my enemy. Why? She don't talk to me. Man, why don't you look at it like this? She may be as intimidated and insecure about you as you are about her. And it could be she's like that because the enemy knows that God wants to put you together to do something that needs to be done. You don't know what they're thinking. They're always looking at me. They, could all, they may be looking at you because every time you walk in the room, God said, that's the one. And they be looking at you. But they ain't saying nothing. They don't know what to say. What do you say? Well, they don't say nothing to me, so I don't say nothing to them. Try high. I'm here to tell you something. I'm here to tell you something. I told my wife, I ain't going to sweat today. I'm sweating already. I'm going to tell you. We're we about to close, but I'm, I want everybody to do this. First of all, let me ask this question. Who am, I, who am I preaching to? And why am I so passionate about this? I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what people say, what they think. I'm going to give a, a quick testimony. When I was getting to start this church, I weighed... 130 pounds. Self-esteem was low. I was working for a church that started me at $9,000 a year with a wife and three kids. But I stayed and I worked 14 hour days. When the Lord chose me to pastor this church, to start this church, when I was leaving, the way they treated me was horribly. Some of you probably know they had a guest preacher who was well-known to come in and preach and say some ugly things about me. And on the anniversary of him preaching that, for the next four years, it was showed on television. I'd be ashamed all over again. And nothing I did could help our church go forward. We went Ozark. We, we would be up to 200 and then down again. We couldn't, couldn't grow. It's just like something was wrong. And so finally, I reached out to my mentor, Dr. Ivy Hilliard, and he told me, he said, I want you to do me a favor. He said, I want you to write a letter to the, the pastor. Here's what he said. He said, because the way you go out will affect whether or not you come in or the way you come in. And so when he gave me permission to write that letter, I let it rip. I said everything I wanted to say. You're no good. You're dirty. You treat folk wrong. You're greedy. You're cheap. I said everything I want to say. But Dr. Hilliard said, you write the letter and send it to me. So I wrote the letter. I sent it to Dr. Hilliard. The phone rang five minutes. They said, no, come on. He said, Doc, come on, hold, hold on. He said, he said I'm, 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 I, know, I know you're passionate about this. He said, but can I edit this letter for you? I said, yes, sir. I said, I'd be honored. He said, I'm going to edit this letter. I'm going to give it to my secretary. She's going to, she's going to fax it to you. I want you to read it, sign it, and fax it back as proof that you agree with how we're going to edit it. I said, yes, sir. 
in my letter that I wrote, I let him have it. I gave him the business, you scoundrel, cheap, low-down, racist. I call him everything, everything he did, I remembered every bit of it. When Dr. Hilliard sent the letter back to me, edited, here's what it said. It starts out. It said, Dear Pastor Blank, first I want to tell you how honored I am that you chose me some years ago to serve with your ministry, that you trusted me with your music ministry and put everything under my hand as if you were there. I want to thank you that when my family was in need, you blessed us. He began to say all these things. And after a while, I start saying, you know, he did do that. He began to thank him for, for, for believing God for my salary for four years and things I never thought about. When it got to the end of it, it said, I want to apologize to you if my leaving was not to your liking. And, I want you, and I'm asking you to pray for me that I will do what God has told me to do. I don't want to bring you any harm. And if I've done so, please charge it to my head, my, my, my heart. When I read this letter, I sat there and I wept. I signed it in tears. I cried on the paper and I signed it. And I faxed it back to Dr. Hilliard and he called me. He said, isn't that what you wanted to say? You know what I told him? I said, I didn't even remember the good. And you know what came back to mind? There was a day, after I read what what I signed, there was a day when I was working so hard, 14-hour days, money was not enough, ran out of stuff to eat. The church wanted to give me some food from the pantry, but I was too proud. My father taught me to work. So you know what the pastor did? I, ne- I didn't forget this. I never remember this day he wrote, had Dr. Haley edited the letter. The pastor called his entire staff and said, everybody go home. He dismissed his staff, sent them home early, and then called and says, come by the church, come through the side door. I left the pantry open for you. Get whatever you want and close the door behind you. But in my leaving, I didn't remember that. And Dr. Hillier said to me, after you send this letter, no matter what he says, keep your eyes forward because God is going to open doors for you because if you're going out, it's clean. You're coming in. will be clean. If you've ever felt kicked out, knocked down, you feel like people did you wrong, I want you to stand up. Stand right now. I want to, I want to pray with you. I want you to pray. We're going to pray this together. You, you said, Pastor, I, didn't, I may not have left that situation. Right. I told them all before I left. If that's you, stand up. I want, I want you to no, know. Uh, um, if, if you were divorced and, and, and felt like you were wrong, if, you, if, 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 if something happened and people misunderstood, they accused you, if your heart still has a problem letting go of some things, I want you to, everybody to lift. If that falls to you, lift your hands to the Lord real quickly. Bow your heads. Don't look up. Look down to the Lord. Say these words with me. Say, Father, my life, like time, moves forward. I do not have the luxury of taking anything from my past that corrupts, that condemns, or that makes me feel superior or judgmental with me. All of the hurt from the past, 
the specific things you know. I give them to you. I want my open door. Say it again. Say, I want my open door. Anoint me to leave properly so I can cleave properly. Cause me, God, to move out of the past so I can come into the present you have for me. My security comes from you. I am who you say I am. I will continue to say that until it becomes real to me. What you have for me is better than what you had for me. The future holds promise that I could never imagine for myself. Your hand is on me, pushing me forward, opening doors, giving me relationship. I thank you in Jesus' name. I lack no good thing. You are the one leading me forward, leading me upwards. I thank you, God, that this word I heard today finds its home in my heart. And even when I leave, something in me continues to shift, continues to change, continues to transform until I become that person that you've called me to be. Right here and right in this place, why don't you just keep, keep your hands lifted to the Lord, begin to worship Him and thank Him. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.